0: From PRX. This is Studio 360. I'm Curtis Anderson. The excellent new movie Blind Spotting deals in complex ways with complex issues around race and gentrification and policing and injustice, but it's a drama leavened with all kinds of charm and comedy as well. And although it's almost entirely a realistic film, it is studded in a way I've never seen before, with rap and verse in big and small moments throughout the movie, in a way that is really central to the movie and its story. And to help me dig a little deeper into the linguistics of blind spotting and some other movies is the poet and essayist, Maya Phillips. Maya, welcome to Studio 360.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Instead of just letting me rant on, why don't you give our listeners uh, a basic idea of what blind spotting is and is about?
1: Sure. So it's uh, very much based in Oakland, um, very much an Oakland film. And it's about these two friends, childhood friends, played by uh, David Diggs, who's known for Hamilton, and yes. Raphael Casal, who is known in the poetry world. He did Slam. He? Yeah, yeah, oh, no. he did Slam. Um, so. It's focusing on David's character, Colin, um, and it's the last days of his probation, and he's just trying to get through it, not violate his probation. But he sees one night um, a black man, an un- unarmed black man, gets shot several times. And in he back. is a black
0: man. Yes, yes,
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, gets shot several times um, as he's running away from a white cop. So he's dealing with those in emotional ramifications throughout the movie. And then he's also just dealing with his friend Miles, a white man who is just hot tempered, totally crazy. and um they're just navigating. Their relationship to Oakland as it's being gentrified, and their own issues with race, and their relationship to each other. Well, that. well, well put.
0: <laughs> uh, and and they've grown up together in the same neighborhood in this mm-hmm. predominantly black neighborhood in Oakland,
1: as did David
0: Diggs, the actor playing Colin, and Rafael Casal, the actor playing Miles. Yep. And they do rap to each other in little fragmentary ways mm-hmm. throughout the movie, but it's not in
1: any kind of stylized. You know, La La Land way, right? It's totally different. Um, it's something totally unique. I think that you have these options that are more musical style, right. and I think it's amazing that this is this feels more true to life. Right. Let's let's play
0: a clip of them just doing what they do.
2: Grand opening of the new quick way. Hey, wish I knew a quicker way. Whips is sweet, getting tooth decay. All these candy cars. Look like they owned by fancy stars. <laughs> but just the motherfuckers pulling up on the boulevard. Hey,
0: That's Devi Diggs uh, doing most of that rap in progress with Raphael Cassell.
1: Did it seem stylized at all, or is that just, oh, no, there are guys like that? When I was reading about this movie, I read a lot about how um, how it came to be, and they were saying that they know people like this, that this is part of the lifestyle, the Part of the environment in Oakland that they grew up in an environment where everyone they know had this awareness of language. And, you know, it wasn't in a performative way, perhaps, but it's just matter of fact that there is just this, you know, awareness of the way you speak and this awareness of rhythm and, um, just in cadence.
0: A little later, we see uh, moments when only Miles, the, the white guy, is doing rap-like things, like when he's trying to sell this sailboat that they've found on one of their jobs as movers, clearing out an old house. Uh, let's listen to that.
2: Hey, what do? Hey. No. hey! Shit, man, I got that junk. Sailing, fishing, floating, or fucking. Get you a flight to Boston in a private function. Perfect for getting into something. Let me put you on that water world, bruh. Bruh, is it hot or cold, though? Warm to the touch, no burn, no. the stand telling the Vin Diesel? I'm no, fingerprints, bruh. Dusty trail? Very, it's Gucci. Cuz, cuz. I can't be riding the white way with something out of pocket. You know dig? Get birth, and I gotta peel off for the Daytona 5 double cuz I got my cameras tucked. Niggas got laundry, no bleach. All mamas, this was in the cut. Three bills, just though? What's the part two? No sequel, bruh. Pockets and touches. We just trying to get it off into a movie. Nah, cuz. I'm gonna have to let that marinate one time. Bruh, if you really about that life, just the come up right here. Plus, three bills ain't nothing but a small thing to a giant like yourself. I say, let's make moves. You throw me that 300 right there. I'm gonna clip the woo-wop to the rear view and less is more, you dig? Clip the woo-wop to the rear view? By far. Fast. What'd he say? Oh, I have no idea. We gave me 300 dollars So this boat sold. Sold, motherfucker. Sold. Bounce these for days, bruh. People like the way it makes it feel, man. They like the bounce of that shit. Everybody listen more when you make it sound pretty. I'll tell you
1: right now. It's hilarious. I love it. Definitely the pace with which they uh went through the exchange. You know, it just was very fast and just the Density of colloquial languages, like just the slang in there, that most of which I I had never heard of. I don't even know. They could be, you know, totally making that up. But I wondered about yes, that. Yeah, um, I think they said that most of that was 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 real, but yeah. I don't know for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, is is that a bad thing that this white guy is speaking in this incredibly dense? Uh, vernacular of of black neighborhoods or is it a funny thing?
1: I mean it's complicated because obviously this is what he has come to know just in terms of how he grew up Um, and this is how he relates to the world which is definitely skewed toward a black perspective even though he is obviously not black. But I think what becomes problematic is especially when he uses that language to make money Um, because we see that in a larger context play out, you know, White people profiting off of the black experience, and of course, yeah, that's that's a problem. So he's
0: being Eminem, essentially.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: although he seems much more appealing than Eminem, frankly, the character. <laughs> yeah, I. That's one thing that I really loved about the movie that he's not just a villain. He's not like the bad white guy not at all. We, we understand him as a sympathetic character, and. It's not just him. It's it's also the way that Colin relates to him because Colin also participates in understanding him as part of that black experience and how they talk to each other.
0: The show will resume very, very shortly. But first, I wanted to take this opportunity to remind you to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Studio 360 Show. And now back to the podcast. So – There is a moment where Colin finally, after not being the guy who is the slick rapper, finally near the end of the film, there's this kind of extraordinary aria. And I don't want to give too much away because I don't want to be the the spoiler of this. I guess we'll say he finds himself as part of his job in the home of a cop he knows is bad and is holding this guy at gunpoint, this white cop, and this is what he starts to say. You might
2: think you know what's happening, but you don't feel it like we do. To feel it, it has to be you. Cut you, but you don't know what the cut do. You all reflex, but when reflux bleeds the gut, then you see the faces. Leave the vases. Moving people in and out for a fee. Feeding this town decay an appetite of me. An appetizer, huh? I must be tasty, but I stay angry because y'all get hazy. I'm the one out here stuck on a clock. Loving a curfew to keep me off the blocks. Fuck, what time is it? What time? time? No, nope. fuck it. I did my time. How come every time you come around, you monsters got me feeling like a monster in my own town? And I say it while I'm rapping, nigga, because everyone conditioned to listen to a rapping, nigga. But I'm rapping to the active, nigga. You the one capping, niggas. So quick to flash, you feel like your passion, nigga. Hitting us till a headstone stuck in the mud. We stuck it out, it turned us into some thugs. Got a whole city brand new and they're kicking out us. Maybe we should both break shit. Make a fuss. I am both pictures. See both pictures! <laughs> Don't be blind spotting me, nigga! See both pictures! Guess I'm just a little bigger than a picture playing chicken with a cliff But I ain't never been a flincher. Black block is getting hotter I'ma be the one to bring the winter bucket Everybody want a body of a cop to splinter I mean, why wouldn't I dead him? He's splitting wigs for 80k a year and ain't from here He'll miss him if he disappear Filling up with fear, I know you feel it I've been feeling it for years In fact, I don't remember ever, never feeling it The one who's going dummy never felt the need to run But I've been sprinting till I limp across the finish With a gun up in my blind spot, really Ain't too hard to figure that you probably never really felt the pressure of a nigga But you know what? I ain't never felt the pressures of a trigger
1: I mean, tell me what you made of this as a poet. (laughs) Well, I mean, I loved his end rhymes (laughs) as a poet, but I think uh, this whole large poetic rap, whatever you want to call it, monologue, that's a point when I think it does break from reality a little bit because we're not going to have this heated exchange and we're not going to have a whole monologue. You know, It's like what happens in a play. But I think that's Important Because this is the one point in the movie where Colin is able to actually speak the truth of his black experience here. And Miles is, by the way, in the room at this point. Yeah, yeah. But um, he's—I mean, we're not even paying attention to him. Right. He's unimportant at this point. And, you know, the whole movie— Colin's kind of trapped, you know, he's he he's in this situation where he's set up to fail.
0: Although he's the good guy. Yeah. Even to though do he's right. a good guy. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and finally, this confrontation kind of sets him over the edge. And like we finally have the platform for him to to speak as a black man. But it's it's not even in, in a way that's necessarily real. Right. Yeah. It's totally stylized. So he can speak as long as he makes it sound pretty, like they say elsewhere in the movie. Oh, that's it. I hadn't even thought of that. So you're saying that this presentation,
0: because it's so presentational and stylized, finally, that that is also a
1: different form
0: of oppression? That he can't just speak? That he has to
1: rap in order to be heard? I mean, yeah. That's that's what they're talking about. um, Because – Miles has the option to use that. right? Um, he can just elect to use the black language or he cannot. But right. for Colin, you know, we talk about they or they talk about in the movie him like fitting the description, him being the kind of man that the police are going to be looking for. And in that same way, he can only speak in a true way and within the form that is falls within the expectations of like a white society. Right.
0: I got to say, I've never been as moved by a rap as I was by this thing in this film. As stylized as it is, we're meant to see this as finally being able to say the truth in in an exquisite way right?
1: Yes. I also think that um, part of that, what you were saying that, you know, it's the movie sets it up, is we do see the symbols come back. We, he mentions the tree, the cut down tree. We see that before. We've mentioned the, the vases and the faces. So all of those things. Which, in is, which are, refers
0: to a, a line with his ex-girlfriend in the past.
1: Yes, oh. yes. And where the movie's title comes from. Um, so, you know, all of those things are in the back of our mind as we see this really heated exchange with this, this protagonist who we are rooting for.
0: Uh, Colin here uses uh, the N-word here both to describe black man, but calls calls this white cop that as well. But in their big showdown, he he and his friend that happened just before this, uh, they have an argument that involves that very thing.
2: You ain't got to worry about you changing up your clothes and your lifestyle. You ain't got to worry about none of that shit. You're a big black dude with fucking braids in Oakland. Nobody is misreading you, Colin. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, my nigga. Yeah, bro. No, say it. What? Say nigga. Oh. Fuck you. Say it. Say, yeah, my nigga. No. And why? You know, why? Oh, come the fuck what? on. But, but why? Because you know I don't say that shit. But, but, so it's okay for me to call you nigga, nigga? You been calling me that since we were fucking 12 years old? I'm not going to stop you now. Do what the fuck you want to say. what you want to say. If that is so disrespectful, then why is it okay for me to call you that? You're a fucking nigga. You're a fucking nigga. Fucking nigga, Miles. What are we talking about? You out here acting an ass like it ain't no fucking consequences for that shit. And every nigga who sees me thinks that I do the same dumb, fucking, ignorant, gun-carrying shit that you do. But, but I've been taking care of my shit.
0: That's David Diggs and Rafael Casal. Talk about what what we're seeing and hearing here.
1: We're talking about, again, how Miles is able to participate in the black culture. He understands them on equal planes. They came up in the same um, neighborhood. They shared their childhood. So they have a similar experience. But, you know, Colin's saying that that's not true. He's saying that he's not going to be misread right. in society. And, and
0: Miles is kind of jealous of
1: Colin. Yeah. It forces him to come to terms with the fact that, you know, he does have a an a level of white privilege, even even if he's from that same neighborhood. Right. He's still white. Right, right, exactly. Why was it essential, I guess,
0: for rap to be used in this movie the way it was?
1: Because rap is a form originated in—it was a black form, and it was commodified. And you you, see—you joked about Eminem earlier, but, like, it is being used by other people. There's also the idea that rap is also a form that is— we're very aware of the aesthetic. You know, it's very much involved in this aesthetic. So we have an idea of a black man who is a rapper and that is packaged and it's sold. And, right. you know, it just seems like they're they're very well linked. Right. Obviously,
0: I mean, back in 1602, Shakespeare was creating plays in verse. Has there in, in the modern age, n- non-Shakespearean movies,
1: have we seen anything like this? Have we seen verse used in this way? One movie I can think of, it's not quite the same because obviously we're talking about specifically the context of race, but um, the Adam Driver movie where he's uh, speaking poems of Ron Padgett, uh, Patterson. Oh, good point. I mean, yes, right. And again, that's different because we're not meant to take that as dialogue. The poems are kind of just in the background or happening. And know, we know they're so poems. Yes, yes, yes. But in terms of this particular kind of... Of of incorporating the verse into the movie, I can't really think of anything. Yeah, that
0: that no, I can't before. either. And again, I, I I feel as though you needed thirty or forty years of rap <laughs> to to sort of embed enough in the culture that you could pull this off in a mainstream film. I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, and we were talking about you know David Diggs being famous for Hamilton. I mean, that certainly plays into it yes. as well. Yes.
0: So so it's it's a terrific movie that has to some degree, to my. Unhappiness has been eclipsed in this summer of movies by two other buzzy, tough-minded dramedies about racism and blackness in America, which is to say, Spike Lee's Black Klansman and Boots Riley's Sorry to Bother You, all of which, I guess, in addition to this film, uh, uh, black and white ways of speaking are are subjects, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In Black Klansman, you have a—based on a real story, of course—you have a black man— present over the phone as a white man just to, you know, try to infiltrate the clans, a Klansman meeting.
0: Based on this real-life Colorado Springs story that happened in the 1970s. Yeah. And then in Sorry to Bother You, the main character begins by being able to do this cartoonish version of, of a white voice as a telemarketer, although the movie goes well beyond that premise.
1: Yes, it, it definitely goes off into space after
0: that. Um. Blindspotting, as I say, I, I mean, to me, it's subtler and more nuanced in how it deals with politics and all these issues that they deal with in common.
1: Yes, yes. But I I do think that all three movies have totally different goals. Um, like, you know, Black Klansman, it is telling a true story, even right. though it's fictionalized. Right. And that is going at it at in a different kind of political bent. And Sorry to Bother You... As we said, is very outlandish, and it also focuses a lot more on (laughs) yes. It also focuses more on the intersection of like race and capitalism. Right. What's interesting about Sorry to Bother You is that it's not only the matter of him using a white voice, because at some point in the movie, he's at a party and he's act to perform his blackness. Right. And that's also a thing that can happen. So that's no. the, The
0: the evil white villain in that film
1: says no. Rap. Rap.
0: Yeah. Which, is a, which is an excruciating scene, actually. It,
1: yes, it is. Um, and he, because he just, like, goes along with the most simplistic, cringeworthy, you know, performance of blackness that he can go for. Yes. Um, so, yeah, you encounter that as a person of color, just uh, trying to navigate all these different groups' expectations of how you should act. Yeah. As we've said,
0: these are very different films. But does it feel like, wow, Here's all these movies that are getting all this attention. And should we take this as some pivotal inflection point for what American cinema can do when it deals with race?
1: I I mean, I think so. I, What's really great for me when I'm watching it as a black person is that it really opens the door for different ways to talk about blackness um, because... You know, before there was, like, the black movie and then there was, like, the handful of black actors who you would see in all the films. And, you know, that's not a comprehensive look of blackness. It's just, you know, it's very singular. And to be able to go to the theaters and see, like, black life portrayed, you know, with rapping or, you know, with with verse or in a totally odd, bizarre, cartoonish way, sorry to bother you, yes. That that we have those options suddenly yeah. where – white audiences always had. Correct.
0: I was struck by your piece about this film, which made me really want to see it, and I'm very glad I did and that we got to talk about it. So thank you.
1: Thank you for having me again.
0: Essayist and poet Maya Phillips. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and you can subscribe to Studio 360 at iTunes or Overcast or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts.